If you've already heard it, then you can shut your ears and go to sleep. I do have it. Take your Bibles. Go to 2 Samuel. I'm going to give you all a little different thing today. But what is the picture of faithfulness? I think you guys are all faithful. You're here on Sunday morning Sunday school. Uh, that's a faithful thing. Uh, and 2 Samuel 17. I didn't get all of it out down there, so uh, I only had X amount of minutes. He gave me like 45 minutes. And uh, I did the best I could. So I, I shut down actually early and gave him 2 Samuel. A man named Barzillai uh, just lives his life. You know, there's nothing wrong with just living your life. Uh, but the key is, is uh, having God in the middle of that thing and never letting that thing go. Uh, because the moment you let it go, then what you're having, 2 Samuel 17, 27, uh, says this. And it says, And it came to pass when David was come to Maonam, uh, that Shobai, uh, the son of Naash, of Rabah, of the children of Ammon, and Maker, the son of uh, Aminiel, of Lodabar, and Barzillai, the, the Gileadite of Rogelim, uh, brought uh, beds and basins and, and uh, earth, earthen vessels uh, and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep uh, and cheese of kind and uh, for David and for the people that were with him to eat. And they said... Uh, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the Sunday school class. Thank you for just letting us come to church. Thank you for a church to come to, Father, that uh, we can sit in. Thank you for the word of God. Uh, Lord, I, I do uh, thank you for all you've done, uh, Lord, and getting everybody back home safely. But, Lord, most of all for this little church. Lord, it's just a blessing uh, to be around like-minded believers. Uh, Lord, in this day and age, as, as crazy as everything's getting, it's just a blessing to be here. Uh, thanks again. Bless, the, bless all the little classes and, and bless this one, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Barzillai is a great guy. Uh, I, as I get older, I just turned 65 yesterday. Uh, I was watching something, and it was like they had, oh, I think it was Alice in Wonderland, and uh, the Mad Hatter and his little rabbit friend, they had a happy unbirthday party. And somebody asked him, why did you have a happy unbirthday party? He said, because you can have 364 happy unbirthday parties a year. And only one birthday party. So I like the happy unbirthday party because you can have 364 and a half birthday parties a year. You say, well, that's crazy. But you're always looking for a reason to stay happy and excited in life. And life comes and goes so fast. I'm 65. I still feel like I'm 22. I don't, I don't know where it came from. I, I really have no idea. It just happens. Uh, things happen in life that you never think is going to happen. I was just talking to uh, Brother Barry back there. And sometimes the Lord does stuff for you. Uh, I, that you never really realize what happens, and it just happens in life. As you move through life, you don't have to go out to try to be great. You can do great things easy uh, and just do them, but the, but the key to that thing is just being faithful. And, the, and uh, so the whole uh, topic of the, the week down there was faithful, and I heard a lot of young men get up there and preach, and all of them said pretty much, oh, a good portion of them said the same thing. They said, you old guys, I guess they were talking about like Mike Saul and, and Jerry, they surely wasn't talking about me. But uh, they said, you old guys need to stick it out because we're looking at you. And if you're not faithful, how in the world can we possibly be that? But you know how many old people I've heard, when I say old, that's probably anybody 40 and up, uh, that say, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do. I'm finished. And you really don't get finished till you die. 
I'd like, not as a Christian, as, you know, I worked at LexisNexis and I retired early and, and I got out of there and, uh, and a few other things and I'm on Social Security and all that other stuff. It works good, but that doesn't mean I can quit. You just can't quit. There's no quit. There's no discharge in that war. Death, I know what the problem is here too, by the way, just to let you all know, I have solved that problem. I just haven't fixed it yet. Uh, I have, it's that switch over there is bad. This is how fast things change. I put that switch in. Uh, when we built this in, which was about seven, eight years ago, whatever, and that switch is only seven, eight years old, I put these three light bulbs in, which y'all probably don't care, but these other light bulbs were kind of in here at the beginning, coming, changed in and out. These were new light bulbs, so I found out I actually had to sit down with an engineer the other day, talk to him, and they said, what the problem is, is the new bulbs are different than the old switch. <laughs> the old switch isn't compatible with the new bulbs, but they're all LED. He goes, yeah, I know, you need to put another $50 switch in. He goes, they've changed the bulbs, and uh, the switch has to be changed. What I did was these three bulbs were flashed, but the rest of them wouldn't because the rest of them were compatible with that switch. So then I had this brilliant idea of putting all the same bulbs like these three in here. Now they all flash, which led me to the switch. So anyways, I, I do know what it is. I got the switch on my desk. I'll replace it. Actually, it was, it was there while I was gone. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Faithfulness. Let's talk about faithfulness then. Barzillai. Barzillai was a faithful man. Uh, Esther. Esther. I had that in here too. Esther. Esther was just a young lady. Nothing. I mean, just a young lady. Pretty young lady. And she was. Uh, uh, her Mordecai was her uh, uncle. Her father had died. Her mother had died. And and Mordecai took her under his wing and took care of her. And and one day uh, Vashai, the queen, did some stuff. And uh, I've heard people say all kinds of stuff. But that's okay. I don't really care. The the what I wanted out of that story was. Uh, the king was looking for a new queen, got a bunch of ladies together, and, and he chose one of them out of that, out of that group of people. Uh, Esther would no way that she could ever figure out that she was going to be that lady. Uh, she was just a normal, everyday little girl sitting around doing absolutely nothing, and the Lord picked her out, and she got to be second to the queen. And there was a reason for that, because down the road somewhere, a guy named Haman is going to try to kill all the Jews because he gets mad at Mordecai, and then he has an absolute power... Corrupts absolutely. If you're struggling for power, you better watch that thing. Those, you look at our politics system. Ugh, yeah. uh, all it is is money. It's just money. And one side wants to control. They'll get off of topics on one side or the other to, to emotionally in, uh, charge the situation. But the problem is money. That's where the problem is. Who can control that purse? And you take a size, a, a country the size of America with the, the gross national product that we have and the amount of money that flows through this country, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. These people who get that, they just, they get corrupted. I thank God that I don't have much. I, I definitely don't want to have absolutely nothing because I don't want to be on the side of the road with a sign saying we'll work for food when that's a lie. But I don't want to have so much money that I forget who God was. Barzillai and Esther, Esther never forgot where she came from, and she was sitting up there, and, and Mordecai said, hey, the, you're in a position, and sometimes God puts us in a position. Do you know today that every single one of y'all in this room today are in a position? You have the truth. I was talking to a young, boy, young man the other day, yesterday, and there was another family that's planning to come back, and uh, they left, and uh, in the process of leaving, we talked, and I told I knew, I knew that they were not going to, he was not going to understand what I had to say, all churches are not created equal. They are not. 
Uh, I would like to say they are. I've got, I believe, a King James Bible is the Word of God. But just because I hold a King James Bible under my arm or somebody else does, doesn't make them correct. You can find people that believe almost everything you believe. But you know what the key here is? Is learning how to be faithful to Jesus Christ and learning about him and having that relationship with him. Because the moment I start developing that relationship with him, guess what? The Holy Spirit now starts teaching me some things out of that book that you don't get nowhere else. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, this is a weird book. This is a weird book. How come nobody else sees this? And my, I thought for the longest time that I was just a rebel. I thought I was, I was seeing things. I thought I was going to get hit with lightning bolts and everything else. The Lord goes, no, you're just, you just want to see it, and I'm going to show it to you. Then the question is, is now, here's where faithfulness comes in. What are you going to do with what I just showed you? What are you going to do with it? Uh, there's all kinds of things he shows me that I really don't want to do nothing with. I'm kind of forced to do something with. I found out today I was a liar. You say, how? I'm not going to tell you. But I am a liar. I'm like, rats, Lord, I lied to you. He goes, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to still do what I'm supposed to do, but I still lied. And you say, well, what is that? Well, the Lord shows you that you're human, you're flesh, that you're, you're not perfect, and you haven't arrived yet. Esther was in that place, and she was just a young lady being thrown into a place out there she never really asked for, but she's there now, and now the king loves her, and Esther means more to him than just about anything else. And, and Mordecai is asking her to walk into the kingdom, into the throne room, and the, the rules were that if the king did not bid you to come in, then you're taking your life in your own hands. And if he has a scepter in his arm and he doesn't hold that scepter out to you, you're toast. That means they're going to take you out and hang you or kill you. Well, Esther walks in the door, man, and probably as soon as she walks in the door back here, he's got the, the thing, the scepter out to her. And then he starts talking to her, and Esther brings the whole thing out. But Mordecai said this to her. He said, you need to go, and she's afraid. You got a Bible, and your Bible tells us what to do. And we're afraid. I'll be honest with you. It's, it's hard. It's hard to go street preaching. It's hard to get in front of somebody and tell them about Jesus Christ. It's hard to do that sometimes. I understand all that, but you still got to do that. And, and as, uh, Mordecai tells Esther this in 2 Samuel, or in uh, Esther 4.14. He says, For if thou altogether hold thy peace at this time, then shall their uh, enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? And what a lot of us don't realize is, is that just because we live a normal, what we, we would even call a mediocre life, if we live a normal life, that we think that we're not of any value to God, when you could be of more value to God than you'll ever know. And there's going to come a day where you're going to be in a place that only you could get there. And when you get there, the thing is going to be revealed. Aren't you glad he doesn't reveal to us all the stuff that he wants us to? Man, I'd mess it up. If he, if back when I got saved on that back porch in 1980, if he had told me everything I was supposed to do for the, the next 43 years, which I've been saved 43 now, uh, I would have messed it all up. That's what I would have done. So he didn't. What he does is he reveals things bit by bit. Do this, Mike. Do this, Mike. Do this, Mike. Do this, Mike. And, and you know what I realized? Probably the first four or five years, it was great, man. It was like, yeah, yeah, everything was going great. Then all of a sudden, trials and tribulations started coming into this thing. And it wasn't so fun anymore. And then as I grew on down the line some more, even more stuff come down. I told him down at, at the thing, I told him about some things, and, and they all thought, oh, everything's good for you, Elliot. Everything's, no, I said, here's the deal. It's, it's like my life is this long. I've been saved this long. And I said, about 10 or 15, maybe 20% of my life you hear me talk about is all the good stuff. I said, but 
the other 80% back here is part of that. And that 80% is what makes that really sweet. When I go through these trials back here, when you hear me talk about this up here, I'm now talking about something as sweet as it could be because of what the Lord got me through. And I know it. I know he got me. Now, it wasn't fun going through it. I'm not going to tell you it's fun to go through this stuff. I said, but this is sweet and that is sweet and this is sweet because of these things back here. Those would not even be here if it wasn't for that. So anybody's life, when you look at it over a period of time, is ups and downs and, and trials and tribulations that you have to get through. You have to. There's no way out of it. You've got to go through them. Uh, they're not fun when you go through them. I got that. None of mine was fun either. But when I got down the road a ways, I started looking back and the Lord said, now aren't you glad you did that? I'm like, yeah, man, I'm sure glad, it, I'm glad you helped me do that. I'm glad you showed me that, you know, he didn't have to show you nothing. And he showed me some things. He's showing Esther. You know what Esther does? The right thing. Haman gets killed, Mordecai gets elevated, and the Jews get to go back to Jerusalem. And the Jews are in Jerusalem, and they're building the temple, and they're getting that thing right, and they're getting the walls up because of a young lady that sits over here in, in uh, the kingdom that she's in, and she does what she's supposed to do, and it gives the Lord a little bit more time. That verse over there says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. But I found none. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for an Esther. Esther, I got a hole in my hedge here. I need you to stand there for just a second. Will you stand there? Yes. And she did, and everything worked good. So Barzillai, the Gileite, if you go back uh, in, in chapter 19, uh, when Barzillai did everything he did, he finally takes David back, back home. He, keeps, he takes care of David almost a year. Uh, and to understand the magnitude of what this man just did, uh, if y'all didn't know I was in the Navy, I was in the Navy. But a ship, the Ponce, had a thousand men on it. When that ship got underway, they served breakfast, lunch, dinner, and midrats. That's four meals a day. A thousand men for one day is four thousand meals. That's what that ship had to prepare every day. If we went out to sea for ten days, that's forty thousand meals. That we're out in the middle of the ocean. That means that somebody has to get enough food on that ship to provide the food for those 10 men. At the end of 10 days, they're going to eat just about everything off that ship and the rats and everything. That's why we don't have rats on our ship. There's nothing left. So they bring supply ships in and drop more supplies off to keep us out at sea for more and more days. But, but if you think David is here, he's with some fighting men. Uh, there is probably uh, a whole bunch of people that left out of there with him. I don't know how many. Uh, but Barzillia keeps uh, David and feeds him for almost a year. That's a lot of time. That's out of his pocket. Now, you want to see what the picture of faithfulness is? It's Barzillia. Barzillia is now 79 years old sitting here, 79 years old. When the day comes that David needs some help and Barzillia is ready to go. You know what sometimes you do? You get ready to help and you just help. And you be ready to help. Uh, if you're not ready to help, you can't do nothing. If you're, you get so tied up in this life and the world ties you up into all the stuff that you're tied up in, you can never get to the place where you can help. And you know what God does? He always says, stay in the black area of your life. Always get in, a, in the place of your life where you're in the black area here. And it's, it's hard to do in this day and age. I got it, man. I got it. Don't think I'm, not, I'm uh, insensitive to this. But everybody out there is trying to get you to buy their stuff you got to buy this stuff and that stuff and this stuff and this stuff. And I was in uh, the thrift store the other day. This one down here, it's pretty sad, man. I, I go down to this Goodwill down here, and this is, the, this is like the end-all place for everything that goes to the thrift stores. 
It goes here and then to the dump. So uh, I go in there, and this guy comes in, suit and tie and everything. We're talking for a second. I said, isn't this a shame? He goes, what? I said, all the logistics and all the supply runs and chains and everything else and all the manufacturing that had to make all this stuff and all the millions and billions of dollars that all of it was bought for and paid for ends up here and then out in the dump. And he stopped for a second and started laughing. And he goes, you're absolutely right. He goes, all this stuff ends in the dump. It just ends in the dump. What was funnier than that was as I was talking to him, this one guy who just looked like uh, a normal guy who's down there all the time, they, they buy and sell that stuff. He goes, oh, man, it's, the pickings has been slim pickings here lately. He goes, even the junk stores are going, getting, getting the down thing, man. The, uh, the inflation is starting to hit them. Uh, uh, the, the economy going down the tubes, people aren't throwing junk away like they used to, so it's pretty sad, man. These guys go in, and they, they're sitting there going, the junk is getting bad now. We're not even getting junk anymore. Uh, but anyways, he knew... Barzillai knew how to live. Uh, he was, when, when Samuel was walking the ground, Barzillai was there. Uh, he's a little young boy. Uh, he was 10 when Saul was anointed king. He's about 40 when David was anointed king. He heard of David's victory over Goliath. He knew this stuff. Uh, they had YouTube back there probably or something like that. I mean, it wasn't computer, but, but he knew it. And his three friends knew the exploits of David. Uh, they knew all kinds of stuff. Uh, he was 50 when David first sat on the throne. Uh, he knew who he could trust in, and he didn't uh, care what others thought, who he trusted in. David, Barzillai was a faithful man. This is something I didn't say down there. If David did not get back on that throne, if something would have happened and David would have lost that battle with Absalom, Barzillai and his two friends would have been killed. So when Barzillai made a choice to back David, there was some things in the background that most people never even stop and think about in a man's life, why would he at 79 back David uh, when everything he has, all his wealth, all his lands, everything are going to come into play here? Why would he do that and take a chance on losing everything he had? Well, there's another guy named Nabal. Nabal was a guy back there a little ways. And Nabal, Abigail, David's uh, wife now, and uh, Nabal had some vineyards and lands and sheep and all that other stuff. And and uh, David was out in the field one day, and he's taking care, and he sent some of his men to talk to Nabal and said, hey, Nabal, he goes, uh, we've taken care of everything out there. My men need some food and all this other stuff. He goes, uh, can you feed me? And Nabal said, aha, there's all kinds of people running around now saying this, 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 forget you. Well, Na uh, David was going to go kill Nabal, and Abigail heard that, so she goes out there with a couple donkeys and some cheese and all this other stuff to feed David's people. And she calms David down, and 10 days later, Nabal dies, and David gets Abigail. And everybody says that's the end of the story. What you don't realize is David's out there and hunt. There was not enough food to feed David and his men more than two or three meals. Maybe, at the best. Maybe not today. So that means that there's people out there like Barzillai and Maker and Shobai that's doing the same thing. So over the years, these men are out there. They know of David. They know David's out there protecting the fields and everything else with his men. They know exactly what David is doing. And they're protecting David, and they're watching David, and they've watched that man over the years do exactly what he was doing. And when it came time that David needed help, those three guys popped up, and they helped him. You know what David needed that day? He needed three friends, not like Job. Job's three friends weren't the best three friends in the whole wide world. David just needed somebody to come and give him some food. 
and not say, well, you got like the, uh, like the shimmy up on top of the mountaintop. You're getting what you deserve. You're getting what you deserve. You're getting what you, you know, that's, we do that so much. We're always in everybody's face telling them they're getting what they deserved. Well, I'm sure glad I don't get what I deserve. I don't know about you, but man, I, I, I really deserve a lot of stuff <laughs> and not always good. Uh, he knew how to give. He's 80 years old when he starts returning David back. And uh, he, he tells David that, that, hey, we're here to help you. And when David come across, David was hurting. His men was hurting. David's son turned against him. Uh, whenever you get family, especially real close family, to go against you, it's bad enough when friends go against you. But when you have real close friends, go, or your mom and dad or brothers and sisters, uh, which, which you're going to have to make a decision sometimes. Sometimes it hurts to make those decisions. Uh, but the decision needs to be for God, not for a church or anybody else. It needs to be for the Lord. Uh, every decision I've ever made in my life, when it come right down to it, the Lord says, Mike, this is what you need to do. Well, what's a picture of a faithful man? Barzillia. He was ready at 79 when the call came that he could do, and his heart was already ready. It wasn't that at 79 all of a sudden he made this uh, real uh, strong decision, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give everything to the Lord right now. No, he had been doing that probably his whole life. Uh, he's probably been running that thing through with David and working with David and all this other stuff over the last 30, 40 years. Now that he's 79 years old, if he, David went on the throne at, at, uh, at 50, when he was 50, then you got 60, 70, 79, 29 years he's been watching David rule. But he probably knew of David for 20. He already knew Saul. Saul's slain his thousands. David his ten thousands. Uh, these three men right here were probably laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David, get him, man. Get him, get him, get him. That's cool, man. You got 10,000 Saul him. But David still served the king. David never went against the king. And Barzillai saw that. He knew. He knew how to give. Uh, verse 32 there in 2 uh, Samuel, it said, Now Barzillai was a very aged man over in 2 Samuel 19, 32. It says, now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old, and he had provided the king's sustenance, sub, uh, sustenance while he laid at Manam, for he was a very great man. He knew that David's rule and reign and protection has allowed him to gain the access to what he has. Uh, and, and he knew really in the end of that thing that it was the Lord that did that thing. Uh, this was not the first time he ate it, and I mentioned that thing about Nabal. I think Nabal is, is a perfect example of that. Uh, Ruth, Ruth did the same thing. Uh, Naomi came back and then you got Boaz doing the same thing. He, he's taking care of people. Uh, so his whole life was built on meeting the needs of, of his family. And uh, I'd said a few other things like that. Uh, but that, that was, that was Barzillia. Uh, second Samuel 17, 18 says he brought beds and basins and he goes on and on and just starts feeding them. Now, David, by the end, when that thing starts with Absalom and Absalom, the, the war starts, David's in a, in, in almost like a castle being taken well care of. That's Barzillai took care of him. Uh, his two friends, by the way, uh, his two friends, uh, Mayanam, or uh, Maker, if you go back a couple chapters, Maker was taking care of Mephibosheth. Because it said Mephibosheth was our, our in, the, in the place of Maker, in the in the house of Maker. Maker was, when David came down to get Mephibosheth, he was being taken care of by Maker, one of those three men that actually came to help David. Uh, Maker watched, that th watched the Lord come down, watched David come down. He watched him go to Lodabar. Uh, I sometimes, I don't know how Maker was taking care of him. I really don't know. Uh, you hear a lot of stories about Lodabar, this, that, and this, and that, and the other. 
Uh, but Maker was taking care of him. If Maker took care of David like he just took care of him, I don't, uh, I don't see how he could not take care of uh, uh, Mephibosheth decently anyways. And he took care of him, and David seen that thing, and Maker seen that thing. And years down the road a little bit, when David had to do some work or come out of there, Maker was sitting there saying, hey, I'll go help too. Barzillai wasn't by itself, but when Barzillai goes to take David back, he takes him to the brink of the water, jumps on, he says, I'll go over with you. He gets on the other side and he says, but I, I'm not going to stay there. He knew how to promote others. Chimham is his son. And I've, I've talked to this about a Barzillai before here, but Chimham was a young man, energetic. I tell you what, the... the the young people have the strength and stuff. Now that I'm 65 years old, I still, I've had people say, well, you still don't look like you're 50, but, but my body don't think that. Uh, and it just waking up in the I told him down there, I said, have y'all ever seen that drawing of, of Darwin where it shows the monkey and all this, and then it shows the man like this, and then it shows him up, like, then he shows him upright walking? I said, no, you know what that is? That isn't that. What that is, is that's just an old guy getting out of bed in the morning. I said, he's like this in the morning, <laughs> and by the time he gets to the bathroom, he's like this, and further on in the day, man, he gets his first cup of coffee, and he's like this. He's good to go. I said, that's all that was. I said, that, and they started laughing. They thought that was funny. They laughed more than you guys did. <laughs> but it was, it, you sit there and look at that thing. Barzillai is 79 years old. He's 80 years old taking David back. And it says, he goes, but verse 37, he goes, but behold my, thy servant uh, Chimham. Let him go over with my lord, the king, and do to him what seemeth, uh, shall seem good to thee, unto thee. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me, and I will do to him uh, that which shall seem good unto, unto thee. He said, he said Barzillia, what you think, that's what I'm going to do to him. He goes, you want me to take care of him, I'm going to take care of him. Because I know how you take care of people. I know your hospitality. You know, some of the, the greatest things you'll ever learn in life is how to be hospitable. How to, be hospitable. Uh, how to care. That, that is a learned thing over the years. You have to, number one, learn that people care for you and that people help you. And, then, and it starts at a low level. You help them, they help you. You help, you help others. And pretty soon you start helping all kinds of people. Uh, there's not a greater compliment to have somebody stay at your house and as they're getting ready to leave, they say, hey, you two are talking about Beth. Beth is the, really the hospitable one. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the bad guy. But Beth, I mean, I've had people walk in and stay for, with us for a week or two and then they leave. They say, you two are some of the most hospitable people I've ever seen. Uh, we used to open up our house to missionaries from other churches. They'd have mission conferences in other churches and we would have them, the missionaries stay at our house. Because I had the space to keep them. That way they didn't have to pay. And it took a burden off. Some of these other churches didn't like me at all. You know, I didn't really care. All I cared about was, hey, man, I'm going to take care of these missionaries. Feed them, take care of them. And that way the burden's off the church. And the church can end up supporting them. Now, you know what? You learn that stuff over a period of time. My dad was great. My dad was one of the greatest drunks you've ever seen in your life. But, boy, he would help anybody. He'd take shirt off his back and give it to anybody in, in, a, in a moment. And so the king said, I'll take care of him. And all the people went over Jordan. And when the king uh, was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him. And, he, and Barzillai said, and he returned unto his place. And Barzillai did and went back and he stayed there. And uh, a preacher once said this. He said uh, that Barzillai blazed out 
I mean, it's like a comet. If you can imagine a comet, everybody says a comet's coming or whatever, and they want to watch it, and it blazes out, and you get the tail on it, and you see it for a little bit of time. He goes, uh, he goes the, the preacher was John Phillips. He said, that Barzillai blazed out for a brief, glorious moment like a meteor in the dark night sky, then plunged back into obscurity from whence he came. That's a, that's a picture of a, a faithful servant right there. He's not faithful to David. He's faithful to the Lord. And he knew what the Lord gave him. He knew what he had. He knew what, where he got what he got. Uh, a lot of people, we don't realize where we got. Your breathe, the air you breathe came from Jesus Christ. It says, uh, who created all things. And by him were all things made that was created. So Jesus Christ made everything. Uh, it wasn't, if, if you look at the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, uh, the, the, Jesus spoke it into being. The Holy Spirit actually uh, took the word spoken and put it into play. But Jesus spoke everything into being. The air I breathe, the ground I walk on, the, the, the hearing. I mean, you look at your eyeballs. You see, I see, I see stuff. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways. How did I know in my head that what I need to see is black letters against a white wall that I can make out what that says? That's an impossibility. The grass is green. How do I know that the grass is green, that, that my eyes see it as green, and so does yours? And bushes and everything else. When you start looking at it, the Lord gave us that. We went to a zoo down in Jacksonville, and some of those animals are just unbelievable. When you just start looking at them, how they do what they do. They just do it because they're pre-programmed to do a certain thing. And they do it. People say, well, but an evolution. No, that's all... That's just a long-haired dog survives better in the Arctic than a short-haired dog does because a short-haired dog's going to freeze to death up there, and there ain't going to be no short-haired dogs up there because they're all going to be long-haired. But down on the equator, that same long-haired dog won't make it down there. So dogs or animals will, will move to the areas where they can survive, and in that area, those animals will survive in those areas. That's, that's just uh, survival of the fittest is all it is. That is not evolution. That, all that is is natural selection. That's a natural thing that happens on this planet. Uh-oh, you're going to shoot me. Watch your bead. It's restricted. Somebody's calling me, complaining about my preaching. Come and see me. I'm at church. Uh, <laughs> we're online. <laughs> Hi. But, but uh, evolution, evolution doesn't exist. And, and you know that because God said in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know that. So uh, uh, Paul Harvey's, and now he says the rest of the story. Uh, you would think that what Barzillai did was kind of weird off the side, but it's not. 1 Kings 2.7 says, uh, later on down the road, David's getting ready to die. And in the process of passing the torch on to his son, Solomon, he starts talking about kill Joab, kill this person, take Shimei out, do this, do this. He said, but Barzillai in 2.7, 1 Kings 2.7, he says, but show kindness until the sons or Barzillai, not just uh, Chimham, to all of his family, to all of his kids, show them. He says, Chimham, uh, he said, the, the sons of Barzillai the Gileite, and let them uh, be of one of those that eat uh, at thy table, for so they came to me when I fled of Absalom thy brother. Barzillai never came down there and said, uh, said, you should have beat Absalom more. You didn't whoop Absalom enough. You didn't take care of this. You didn't do this. You, you know, we, so often we want to tell everybody else how to raise their kids. and how. Sometimes the best thing you can do is go out. Uh, that's why I was telling that brother the other day. He asked me, he said, well, what could you say to a brother that wants to come back? Come back. That's all, I, that's all you can say. 
I said, when he left, I never got mad at him for leaving. Because I knew that at his age and my age, the difference in our ages, he was not going to understand what I said when it comes to a Bible. There's churches, here you go. There's our church. You say, and here's other churches. There's more churches like us than just us. So don't think I'm just saying we're the only one. A church will either be trying to build people or they'll be trying to build a church. I'm not here to build a church. I'm here to try to build people. And when you try to build people, you start from the ground up. I like our little church. Every one of y'all think like me. No, you don't. Uh, you think like you, but you, you know what right and wrong is, and you do what right is. You, you struggle with it, but you do what right is, and sometimes it takes time. These other churches, I've watched them. They'll build up to three or 400 people and split, go three or 400 people split. But the pastor, when you start trying to build a church and not people, you will accept anybody in that building that you need to accept. And now you've got all of this, this stuff going on that you can't say nothing about. Because the moment you say something about it, you're going to offend this group or that group or this group, and they're going to leave. I, don't want, I, like, I like being able to say, hey, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says this. Homosexuality is wrong. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't. There's nothing I can do with that. I can go over to Leviticus. I can show you the men with men and women with women. It is wrong. Now, I don't care what our school system says. President of the United States does not trump the Lord. Never does, never will, and I can do whatever he says do up to any point, but when he crosses that line with me, then I have to stop and have to make a stand, like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, any of the rest of them. Like us, we have to do the same thing. You know, you got to do that with your family also. That's rough. You got to, first you got to know what right is. So just because a preacher says something's right, don't mean it's right. You need to find out what the Bible says. What's the Lord say about that thing? Uh, he didn't say just take care of his son, Shemah. He said take care of all the sons. He said, what he did for me that day saved this nation. And because he saved this nation, take care of him. That's, that's the picture of a faithful man or lady. Uh, Esther was a faithful woman. Why? Because when she got into a place where she had to do something extremely hard, she did. Man, I thought I'd just turn that thing off. Somebody's trying to correct me. They're really mad. I'm going to fix them now. I'm going to shut them down. If they want me, they'll leave a message. If they don't want to, if they don't want to open an offer, look at this man. I'm looking. Stay right there. Don't go away. Did you leave a message? You didn't leave a message. Uh, let, me, let me go to my voicemail. If you, if you really love me, you'd leave a voicemail. Nope, you didn't leave no voicemail. What's that? Oh, yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> so in the, uh, in the time of carrying away, you, now you go all the way down to, to Jeremiah, and you're way past David now. You're 606. David was like 10, 1000 B.C. Uh, you're all the way down now to 606 B.C., which is 400 years later. Jeremiah is sitting here talking, and Jeremiah says this in 4117. He says, and they departed and dwelt in the habitation of Chimham which is, is by Bethlehem, to go in, in, uh, to enter into Egypt. The place that David gave and Solomon gave to Chimham and his family is still there 400 years later mentioned in your Bible. Those men were faithful men. They, they were faithful. I like those, those uh, uh, men who drank, didn't drink wine. Their father told them not to drink wine. They didn't drink wine, and the Lord brings them in. He says, bring these guys into the temple. They go, okay. 
They bring him into the temple. They set all this wine before him, cups, and now drink. Now, this is the priest. This is Jeremiah telling him to drink. And they didn't drink. They said, we can't. My dad said we can't drink. Wait, wait, wait. My great-great-great-great-grandfather said we can't drink wine. We ain't going to drink wine. As a matter of fact, we're going to live in tents. We ain't even going to live in a building. We're going to live in tents. We're going to do this. And we're not. We're going to. And the Lord says, look at these guys right here. Their grandpa tells them what not to do, and they don't do it. And I tell you guys what to do, and you don't. He goes, I'm going to bless these guys for what they did just because they obeyed their... We, we got a strange opinion or thought of what God does for us. Uh, the Lord is looking at faithfulness in a person's life, and he can do a lot of stuff with faithfulness. When a person gets faithful, that, that, but that's something you learn. You learn that over a period of time. What will happen is we'll, get, we'll, get, uh, we'll do unfaithful things, and then we get bitter at God or bitter at somebody else, and then we'll look at ourselves. You know what you got to do? You got to realize all flesh is grass. I'm going to preface this whole thing with all flesh is grass. We're a mess. Every one of us is a mess. There's none good, no, not one. That's from the greatest Christian that ever walked the planet, uh, the Apostle Paul. Uh, not a single one of us are any good. Uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then what is the use or the hope? Because God says, I'm going to, that little old lady, man, I still like that little lady. I can't wait to get to heaven to meet that lady with two mites. That's two pennies. Here's all these guys throwing sacks of money in. God don't care about the sack of money. He cares about a little lady with two pennies, and he says, lady, he stops her. You know, that lady may, may have never known that Jesus was watching her, and she drops her little two mites in, probably embarrassed. I don't know, but I've been, I've been there. Have you ever had a plate come by? I, I never used to like passing plates, but I was told that I have to do it, so I get the ushers to do it. That way, I still don't have to do it, but, uh, and then, then whoever does the song leading will get the ushers to do it, so I'm really not in it anyway, so I'm like, I'm back in the back going, ooh, yeah, but I always hated this because it would come under your nose. And if you don't put anything in, you feel bad. That's why they said you need to pass the plate. So that it can go under your nose and you feel bad. You're supposed to feel bad. That's the, that's the motive of most churches. But, but a preacher told me one time, he says, Mike, if you don't give them the plate, you're taking a chance of them off, not offering. You need to give them the opportunity. It's all how you look at it. I could sit up here as trying to build a church. I need money to, for lights and everything else. And so you got to give, and then I can preach messages on making you give. So you give, and then I can pass a plate, and then I can ridicule. I've seen people sit there and, and ridicule you from the platform because you didn't give. You done gave everything you got anyways. There's not a whole lot. Uh, I've been in churches where they've, people have taken off their rings, diamond rings, and put them in the plate. And then somebody, and the only reason they did that is they didn't want the ring. <clears throat> they wanted somebody in the crowd to redeem the ring so the lady could get a ring back, and then they could get the money in the plate. Now, brother, I'm telling you what, if I have to sit here and, and, and beg you for anything, then that's not between you and the Lord at all anyway, so it's, it's useless. But, boy, you get somebody like that little old lady who walks by, and here's all these other. First of all, if the temple wasn't there and the, the treasury wasn't there, she couldn't have thrown her two mites in. So all that stuff had to be in place. And when it's all in place, she throws her two mites in. And lo and behold, the Lord's sitting back here. And he even stops his disciples and says, watch this. Judas is right there with him. And Judas is the money bag carrier. He's the, he's the one. And he goes out and hangs himself after a while. But he said, look right, here's a lesson. You know, some people got that lesson and some didn't. It isn't the money or the quantity of money. It's the heart. Look at that lady's heart, man. She has absolutely nothing in this world. And what she does have is two mites, and that's all she has. And she goes, toss it in. You don't think the Lord watched after that lady the rest of her life? I think, I think we're going to get to heaven, man. That lady, she was taken care of. He probably didn't give her excess. 
But boy, I tell you what, he definitely, I bet you she never had to uh, worry about where money was coming from for the rest of her life. Uh, David, David said blessing. Uh, Luke 19, 11 says, and as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was uh, nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He left us. He left 2,000 years ago. He left. And for 2,000 years, he's been away. And, and everybody, oh, he's coming back soon. I think he's coming back sooner than what most people think. Uh, uh, the, everything is in place right now. These things right here. That right, I'm a technician by trade. This thing right here, to me, is the biggest evidence that the Lord is getting ready to come back. You say, why would that be? Because this thing right here gives the devil. The, all they have to do is this. And y'all just heard it go off a few seconds ago. Uh, if somebody was watching out there and somebody did call in to complain to me about what I just said, let's just say, it's possible that could happen. I could sit here like this and I could take a picture and somebody could say, if I got a little text saying, I am looking for so-and-so and I'm in Zimbabwe. And I, oh, there she is right there. There's Sarah Kaiser right there. And I could do this. And I can send a picture to Zimbabwe right now where Sarah Kaiser is sitting right now. And the people in Zimbabwe can send, this is Africa, by the way, can send another text to somebody in Dayton and said, Sarah Kaiser is sitting right there in the front pew right now. And Mike is going to be done for another 20 minutes. So we got 20 minutes to get to him. And he preaches long anyway, so it might be 30 minutes or maybe a minute. (laughs) But, but we have time to get to her, and from anywhere on, you think the Antichrist will not be using that thing? And you don't think, if you don't have that mark on your head, all somebody has to do is go, ooh, look, Steve ain't got the mark on his head. Click, and they can send your picture to the, the mark on the head group of people, and they'll come by and they'll say, Steve, can we put the mark on your head? No, then we're going to take your head with us in this bag. And, and we say, oh, no, 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 this thing right here, never before in time. Has anything like this ever been there? Satan is not like the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is omnipotent, omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, omniscient. He's everywhere at one place, omnipresent. The devil cannot do that. He can only be in one place literally at one time. Now, he can move from place to place really quick, but he can only be at one place. So he has all of his little devils, his little minions all over the place. Jesus did it all by himself. You, you want to see the difference between Jesus and Satan? When he said in front of Pilate, he said, or, or, or uh, Herod, or uh, yeah, it was Pilate, he goes, no, I could call 12 legions of angels. That's 72,000 angels. At any given moment, the Lord, he never said, I don't need them. In the garden, he goes, whom seek ye? I am he, and knocked them down with just his voice. He didn't need, I created the angels. Why do I need angels? With a word, I can end you right now. I'm not ready to end you right now. As a matter of fact, that's not my plan. Then you know what the thing to do is to get into his plan. You know what Barzillia did? He got into God's plan. You know what we need to do is get into God's plan. I better shut up because uh, he's doing it. Barzillia was, uh, was able, ready, and willing to return uh, the king to what he had provided for him. He gave the king, took care of Barzillia when, when Nabal was running around there. And most people never get that. They never tie the two together. That, that here's, here's, it, it wasn't just Nabal's fields that, that David was guarding out there with his men. It was all of the fields of Israel. And, and you didn't have any other problems. Just God brought this one guy out. Why? So down the road when you start seeing these other guys, you say, how could they possibly be what they are? 
Because David did the same for them as he did for him. Why was David so mad at Nabal? Because we just risk our life like we did for everybody else out here. And the, the typical thing you're supposed to do is take care of the hand that feeds you. Why? And he, and he didn't want to feed him. David said, okay. You never know when the king is coming. I got this little note at the bottom of it. Are you ready? Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. And I know there's a little change up there, Lord, but... Uh, Barzillai was a a very faithful man. And Lord, if we're ever going to do anything for you, we need to become faithful in everything we do. Uh, But it is a learned thing, Lord. It's not something you just do haphazardly. It's it's a slow thing. Uh, At 79 years old, I'm sure you used Barzillai his whole life and other things. But this one instance you uh, put in the Bible for us to read. He was 79 years old. And he took care of the king for a year. Now, Lord, you came one day. 79 years old, you came. And Lord... uh, David came, and when he came, he was ready to help him. Lord, help us to be ready the day you come back, because I believe it's going to be soon. And Father, we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Ah, Just two minutes over, Jerry.